By the way, to be on the fence is one of the best places to be. The flake wavers, as we call them, are usually not the ones that, that stay or, you know, we attract. Uh, I like to have people who think critically and discern the information, and that's where the discussions come in. Hello and welcome to the Social Fabric Podcast with me, Andreas Manduri, and this week my guest is Dr. Annelie Dressen. She's the head of the International so Physical Academy in Victoria, Canada. The music in this podcast has been shortened for rights reason. Please subscribe, share and review. It's the only way podcasts so like this have a chance to survive. For more information and more episodes, please visit socialfabric.ie. The title tune is Happy and Shiny by The Roundabouters. you have never given up the goal. So, Annelie, thanks uh, so much, first of all, for being here. And uh, we don't really know each other that well, but we had a good, lovely conversation a few weeks ago, just in preparation for this um, this podcast. But really, I don't know anything about you. So if you don't mind, I want to start from getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, where, where are you connecting from today, first of all? Where are we? Where I'm, are we I'm in Victoria, British Columbia, in Canada. So I'm about eight hours behind you. Mm. Tell me a bit about it. I've never been. I believe it's a fantastic place. I've never been there. What What is it like? Well, Victoria is recognized uh, to be the city with the most beautiful climate in Canada. We even have palm trees, which is sort of unheard of in Canada. Uh, and uh, one of the reasons I'm here is because I, as a little kid, I always wanted to live somewhere where I said, where tourists go. And uh and I manifested it somehow. I didn't, you know, intentionally do it at the time. I married a Canadian and uh, that's how I got to Canada. But uh, Victoria is really a very, very beautiful city. It is primarily, or it was British. Now it's more international, uh, but it is still a very quaint, beautiful town. And uh, I'm very, very happy to be here. And I'm here for a long time, since uh, 78. So it oh, really has become my home. And what, what, just before I ask you where home is, you said something that really interesting. You always thought of living in a place where tourists go. Yeah. Where, where I, did that come from? I don't know. I said that all, already in kindergarten. I remember saying that, and I had I had no idea where it came from. Plus, I said, I'm going to live in Canada one day. Uh, my father told me about that. Uh, I had forgotten, but I didn't know what Canada was. I probably heard about it and associated it with freedom and space and beauty and all that, but I don't know. It was one of these bizarre things that sometimes children apparently come up with, that they say something of great interest or uh, validity of sorts, and they have no idea where it comes from. So it may have been one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. And uh, so since uh, 78 or so, you said, but where, where, do you, where do you originally come from? Where is the accent uh, from? We were talking about accents just a few yeah, minutes yeah. ago. <laughs> I, uh, I was born in Germany in a town called Aachen. Aachen is where Holland and Belgium and Germany come together. It's a very old town or city where Emperor Charles resided. And uh, Charlemagne or, uh, you know, he was uh, uh, Kaiser Karl, we say in German, was uh, reigning over the largest uh, properties and countries for a long time. And so it's a very old historic city. And thank goodness it was not that much destroyed during the First and Second World War. So it's still a big tourist attraction. And um, I just love it there. And I went to school there, went to gymnasium, uh, also started uh, my first studies there in social work. And then I moved to Cologne and did some more studies. And uh, so, yeah, I, it's a beautiful area and very well known for its uh, printing. Printon is a very special baking sort of chocolate candy that uh, is, uh, you know, was was created many years ago uh, and served for the French, I understand, as the main food when they had to travel across the mountains during war and stuff like that. So it's it has a lot of history and uh, it's just very beautiful. And it wasn't until I moved away that I recognized how special it really was. Uh, you know, when you go up there and live there, it's normal. 
but now I see things differently and I feel I was very privileged to grow up in this city. Yeah. And that's always fascinating because as a fellow immigrant or immigrant, depends which side you're looking at, you know, I, uh, as a fellow immigrant or immigrant, I always say, I always say that I'm from Rome and I never really appreciated Rome until I left it, you know, and then every time I go back, I find it so fascinating. But what, having been away for so long, when you're going back, what is the thing that really, apart from, from the, supposed to the tourist attractions or whatever what what is there that you didn't know that was there before well the richness of the history for one thing you know it was just never really occurred to me much when i was a child because it was just normal uh and uh now when i look back too and and i look at my childhood you know how much the catholic church was a uh, was in my life and how impacted it was impactful it was uh, and and now with hindsight, I know how much it really was an essential part of my search for truth and uh, looking at different types of religions later on in my life and, and trying to figure out who God is and and uh, why we're here and having all these existential questions about life uh, that, that led me to do what I do now, which is the uh, International Metaphysical Academy. So I had many, many questions as a child. And I remember I drove my mother nuts. I drove her crazy with all my questions and uh, she couldn't answer them and nor could my dad. You know, why are we here? Why are there people with disabilities? I remember you mentioned that it's a subject that, that interests you recently a lot. Uh, and why are some people rich and others poor, even though the poor work very hard? Uh, and I also thought the other day about sex. And I thought, as a child, I thought, oh, kissing is fine, but sex is, must be one of the weirdest, disgusting things people do. <laughs> so I had, I had lots of questions about life, and, and not many people could give me answers. But looking back, I think that all prompted me to do my own investigation and research. And I now know that I was that may sound strange to some of the listeners, but I was divinely guided to do what I do today. And I was very fortunate that I traveled a lot. I counted the other day, I must have been over in over 40 countries by now. And, uh, and I thought that all helps. You know, now I know, of course, Splendore. I wondered what your last name was, and I thought maybe you were Italian. So you know about different cultures just by living in different cultures. And that makes makes a huge difference in understanding life and people and the incredible diversity. And yet, at the same time, the commonality between all of us humans and what it is we are seeking and looking for. Before we move to the metaphysical, we'll ask you a lot about that, but... Uh... I'm just curious because, again, some parallels. I grew in the shadow, I would say, in the shadow of the Vatican, although I didn't live quite close to the Vatican. But there was that, to me as a shadow, it was that omnipresence of the church, of the Catholic church, right? Uh, and I don't have I don't have bad memories of it, but it was very much, um, it was there. It was always there. You couldn't really get away with, from it. Mm-hmm. And what was it like for you? Like, even be, like, okay, you had a lot of questions, but what do you recall of that time, you know, of the church and the, and, and the Catholic oh, it, church? What was it, it like for was, you? It was something I never questioned until later. Uh, it was uh, a sacred place to go to. I had a very, uh, I was a very faithful little girl. I was, I, I believed everything and everything made sense to me, which it doesn't today. But at that time, your know, miracles made sense to me. And I always figured that God was a father-like figure who would look out for me. And uh, the church was a place of solace for me. Uh, it was also Latin at that time. And there was a sort of sacred uh, flair that was part of that, which, which I loved. And, and I often went to church by myself. In fact, before I went to school every day to uh, gymnasium, which I did in Aachen, I, I grew up in a little small coal mining town outside of, of Aachen. So I had to take the bus always to go there every day. And I went to church all by myself. And uh, I just was there maybe for five minutes or so. And and I felt calm. It, it, it made me feel good. So 
it was a very positive experience for me uh, for many, many years. And and uh, I remember, I don't even know why I remember that now, but there was an incident where on my way to school and church every morning, uh, I, there was a, a, a priest, uh, not a priest, and um, what are they called, you know, with those clothes on, not priest. Um, anyway, it was... A minister? Not a minister, um, a monk. Sorry, I couldn't remember that. It was a monk. He had this brown clothes on, and we almost parallel went to church, and we never talked to each other, ever. But after a few years, we just kind of nodded and acknowledged each other. And it was something of the most beautiful experiences. We never, you know, exchanged any words, but there was a, a recognition of some sort that was very, very beautiful. And one day I came to church and he wasn't there. And then a few days later, there was a little side section of the church, which an old church right next to the dome in, in Aachen, the big cathedral called St. Foyland. And, uh, he was on a bar, so he had died. So they put him on a bar and I got in there and it was like so much grief I had. <laughs> and I never talked to the man. It was a very odd, uh, and very special spiritual experience. And I was only probably 12 years old at the time, maybe 13 years old. So I have a lot of very unusual experiences that were very meaningful to me, and they may not mean anything to anyone else. But anyway, that was just something I just remembered. Haven't thought about it. Yeah, no, it. And, and, and it's great, and it's beautiful. It's a, a, and, and again... I'm fascinated because uh, to this day I could go. You could find me in a church, which is a beautiful church, and I go and I like to sitting down and and just enjoy the silence, and we'll we'll discuss spirituality and religion in a minute. But I just find that the place is so conducive to what we now call, I suppose, mindfulness and uh, mm-hmm. meditation and all those wonderful things that pause that we need, right? And yeah. sometimes we can't uh, we can't find. Um, but speaking of pause, let me let me ask you about your first uh, tune that you gave me, the deer's cry. Um, this is the first uh, uh, the first piece of music that you gave me as part of your uh, uh, your three choices. And you say you replaced the word Christ with God. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the one you love. It's the original one. Tell me more about this uh, deer's cry. I, did, I didn't know this particular tune. Well, it's, it's ancient, which, uh, I like, you know, it has, it has history to it, but there is a simplicity about it, about having total comfort and faith in God and, uh, knowing that no matter, I don't know why I'm getting emotional, but no, doesn't matter what happens in life. There is always a, um, a love and support there that we may not recognize, but it's there. It's interesting that I recognize it in my past and sometimes I forget about it in the present, that everything always works out no matter what. And that even though there is much discord going on in our world right now, that knowing that somehow, sometime, everything will work out again and will be right again. So I do not (laughs) anticipate my uh, feeling response right now but it's having that deep face that's important I rise today through the strength of heaven light of sun radiance of moon splendor of fire speed of wind depth of the sea stability yeah, thanks and it's, thanks for the well it's an emotional uh, moment if you need to take a minute we can otherwise I'll ask you uh, but that's that's lovely to hear and and I like and I like that the fact that uh, but I'm also curious about it. So we can always look back at the hindsight, right? We we know that things have happened, and we get we get through them. Not necessarily in the nicest, you know. Sometimes it works out very well. Sometimes it doesn't, but we will get through them. But it, 
it is very hard to see it, as you say, in the present. And how the work you've been doing on yourself before, before we talk about the metaphysical, well, how, even just thinking about this moment, how would you project things in the present? How would you make things happen, knowing that things do get better? Um, what what do you, what do you do? What is the, the the things you use to to to, to help you? Uh, well, it's one thing to help myself, which is my faith, but for the world and what I'm doing through the academy is education. Uh, there is a lot of diffu- confusing information out there about us and about how we operate and and all that. And so I have had the privilege to attain extraordinary knowledge from the spiritual world, which I share through the academy. It's a huge body of knowledge. And knowledge really does help. In addition, of course, it's our personal maturation process. And uh, that has to do, this is wide, wide ranged. You know, we all have our pains, our learning processes, our uh, confusion, uh, our what, whatever it is, it's life about, you know, and, and things we just don't understand. They often don't make any sense from a logical point of view. But to understand the larger orchestration of the planet and how it works and how universal laws and principles really are there to guide us and they are totally consistent and truth. That is just an enormous uh, comfort to know about and to help us through challenges and difficult times. So there is both, there is uh, education and there is personal development. Uh, Without us activating what we know about who we are and what we need to do in our very unique personal journey and option for contribution to this world, we can't make it. This is not just a cerebral exercise. This is something that is both, it is cognitive and experiential. As you may know and see, uh, many metaphysical scholars, not scholars, but teachers or facilitators or coaches primarily use experiential modalities like uh, meditation, breathing exercises, using cards. Uh, There are many people who claim there are psychics or mediums, which are highly questionable in in my mind. Uh, That is all fine and good, and often it's an introduction into the fine material or ethereal world, right? But if there is no knowledge that is down to earth and useful and practical, it's usually doesn't go anywhere and it becomes a medication. So people go from one to the other or from one seminar to the other and they still are not happy. They still don't know why they're here. They still don't know how to deal with their kids or with their spouse or with their companies. I don't know, whatever it is. So there is a lot to do about us to evolve and to mature as human species, as humans. Uh, And that's why I know the Academy can help. And has helped already people who are part of it that were life changing. And, um, for me to see that, uh, people go through that and, and get very different, different things out of it, which I would never have anticipated. But it's all about getting a little better, becoming better people, becoming more effective, more authentic, more real, more humble, uh, and more understanding that we're here to learn and to give. And it's, uh, it's not an easy place here on this planet. It's not easy. And there's a reason for that. And all of that is shared through the Academy. Okay. Um, so let me ask you something. The, I just want to, bef- I want to close the gap that is in my head from, um, from young Anneli meeting a monk and then seeing the monk uh, in the church few years ago to the academy today there's a bit of a gap in my mind your journey to uh to what you're doing today how how it progresses surely you didn't go straight from from germany to canada into the metaphysical what what happened in between that the, you know brought you to where you are today to do yeah. what you're doing today uh, as i mentioned earlier i had a lot of questions as a child and I was very fortunate that early on I traveled with my dad a lot. And uh, by the time I was 28, I was already in, I counted once, 36 countries at that time. And 
that helped me a lot to see how people live differently, how they feel and think differently. And I went to different churches and shrines and all that because I was just curious. And uh, I studied social work, uh, which again is about people. Uh, I worked with transient women uh, in my in my practical years. I worked uh, with uh, prostitutes. Uh, I worked with severely handicapped uh, people as well. I also worked in high level educational exchange programs for uh, with the Ministry of Family. That's what it's called in Germany. Uh, and uh, so I had a very broad introduction and my first husband who passed away was an extraordinary good psychiatrist so I worked with him in in therapy that's how I actually came to Canada because I was doing creative movement and dance and autogenic training and used techniques that were not known in his field and so he found out about me and, and invited me and then later on we got married so that's how I got to Canada uh, and uh I worked as a, uh, I learned about coach. I became a therapist. I, I did so many different things. I have quite a, quite a background, but primarily all around people stuff, people knowledge, people activities. I became a master certified coach. I was a, one of the first ones in Canada in 1999. So that's a long time ago. I was very, very active in volunteerism. Uh, I was part of many networks and I traveled again. And I, I have a, an unbelievable background for a therapist. I was also exposed to high level business. Uh, my partner of 25 years who passed away about eight years ago, he was on the board of sales and marketing executives international. And with him as his first lady, I met ve- with very, very successful high-level executives and CEOs, and they were all givers. So it was a very positive environment. And uh, I served at that time already as coach. I did it all voluntarily because I was asked and they were part of a big network. So I learned about, a lot about uh, their life, uh, their lifestyle, and, and they become part of my interviews that I summarized in my little book that I published 20 years ago and now republished as a third edition. And uh, so for a therapist, I had a most unusual uh, opportunity really to learn about the world. And then in 1995, I encountered an extraordinary source of knowledge and information, which has become an essential part of the body of knowledge now in the academy. And uh, what I'm going to tell you, I don't tell you very lightly. Um, I had published years ago already articles. I was a, a regular contributor to a, to a magazine called Focus on Women at that time. And I published articles uh, on cautioning people of mediums because I saw also a lot of fraud, a lot of manipulation. And so I was not too crazy about those things. But then not magically. I think I was guided again, and I write about this story in, in my little book. I was guided to a most unusual woman who lived at the time in South Germany. She was very, very shy. She didn't even look at me in the beginning. And she is a writing channel. She writes from right to left and upside down. Just to to shorten the story, I went there several times and needed to convince myself that, and did convince myself that this was one of the most extraordinary sources of knowledge I could ever come across. There were many incidences that would need to be part of it to explain why I, why I actually decided after six months of intensive investigation. In fact, the woman was so poor, we put together a money for a fax machine in 95. Remember those fax machines that were had shiny paper and rolls? so that we didn't have to send the information and questions that I had in writing uh, about by mail so we could fax them, right? And I have tons of documents. So I asked thousands of questions, thousands, not hundreds, about all kinds of things of life. And then um, I'm moving ahead now because I also went to Germany several times. I lived with them in a very poor environment. In fact, I didn't even have a bedroom. I slept on a two-seat couch, you know, and my luggage was still there. In the, in the, in the evenings, I delivered 
chickens because she was a cook. She had a small restaurant and I delivered chickens and French fries in the morning. I was vacuuming the, the restaurant, you know, and stuff like that. So anyway, it was most extraordinary. And, uh, and so I gathered knowledge and information and then stepping ahead, I had a lot of documents and translated them. I was told to start a study group. And, uh, so I gathered people and I, over years, I did, um, public workshops and private workshops, public lectures once a month. And then about 2007, I had a message, I had an, an email from the lady, the, um, the, the channel by the name of Manuela, who lives now in Austria. Uh, and she said, um, there was a message from beyond to connect with a guy with your university. I said, what? I don't have a university. And then I wrote back and said to the entity, which refers to itself as Theobald, so that we have a human connection, a very high level channel in the spiritual world, because the spiritual world also has channels to a higher source, which is referred to as a multidimensional brain. And I said, what would I don't have a university? And the answer was, but soon. And again, I went, what? So I explored universities. Well, they're not that easy to make, cost a lot of money to do this. So I asked what I should call it, you know, institute or academy or what. So the answer came back, International Metaphysical Academy, the chair of the metaphysical knowledge of the future. I know I'm telling you a whole lot of stuff that I usually don't say that early in any kind of interview, but here we go. So I started then to incorporate in 2009, and much of the knowledge is transmitted by the spiritual world. And we also know that this is the last time we have this opportunity to collect this knowledge and make it known to people worldwide. So uh, I don't recall if I sent you the uh, the curriculum outline. No, you didn't. I, no. I will, I, if you like, I send it to you. Uh, Please, it's a yeah. five-year five program. Uh, and we meet once a month for five hours, usually on a Saturday. It's very fast-paced and a lot of fun, very interesting. And I send the study materials uh, to the participants ahead of time so they can print them off and ask questions, and then we have very lively discussions. So uh, sort of that is in very, very brief what I do, and there's a lot more to it. Uh, and I learn something each time I have a class. There is so much depth in the simplicity of the transmissions that, uh, which I translate all from German into English. So you can imagine the commitment and the massive amount of hours mm -hmm. of doing that. And, and, um, it is phenomenal. And people always get something out that is exactly relevant in their life right now. It's, it's a very interesting, um, an interesting curriculum or interesting way of how the the information was shared and so i know it has its challenges believe me because it is not just about a feel-good spirituality uh, many people as you know or i assume you know share things that are wonderful and have us live in love and light and all that but there are a lot of other things to life and um, this planet is not an easy one and there is a reason for that and all these in this information and this knowledge and how we get through it is something we share and um i uh, as an executive coach working for 10 years for the bc government as a high level uh, executive coach uh i let all of that go to focus on the academy so from a business and income point of view, it was probably the dumbest thing I've ever done. But from a soul perspective and my calling and my absolute 100% commitment and knowledge that this is what I'm here for and this is what I agreed to before I came here, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And um, it's not been an, an easy journey, but it is the most fulfilling uh, contribution and job that I can imagine. I don't know what else to do that is uh, of any more importance. Um, well, that's a, that's some story. And obviously I have a few questions, which I will ask you in a second. Um, but tell me about Bellini's Casta Diva. You specifically picked uh, Sondra Radanovsky uh, version. Yeah. Tell me about this tune. 
Well, what touches me very deeply is the story. There is this woman who is a priest, but she's also a political leader. And uh, she goes through a lot of personal trauma around her own children and her lover, who uh, also has a younger lover. Uh, and uh, stay, and but she stays true to her mission, which is to protect her people. And uh, there is something about it that just touches my soul, and um, it's very beautiful. And Sandra sings it in a very, very unique way. She has the most, for me, the most feminine, sensitive, and powerful combination in her delivery. Uh, I heard, uh, I heard her sing. I heard this sung by someone in an, in other operas, and it comes across as harsh, as um, edgy. And Sandra sings it softly and yet powerfully, and that's that's why I'm drawn to it. When I was listening to your story, there are a couple of questions that are uh, things that I don't understand that I've never been exposed to, perhaps, or, or perhaps I have. And I'm a skeptic by 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 trade, I suppose. That's my my job. I like to be skeptical about things, um, but not. I'm, I'm curious, very much like you. Uh, curiosity leads me, including to do this uh, this podcast. It's just out of curiosity and understanding from other people's perspective. But you say something, you were writing for the magazine where you were questioning some of the mediums and how some people can be swindled, I suppose, you know, through people claiming to be medium and so on and so forth. But then in the same story, you're telling me about uh, the spiritual leader, um, the spiritual teacher, should be should say, Theobald, and the name is irrelevant, it's just to give it a, a, an entity, through a medium that is this person called Manuela, so what what is the difference? What what is that difference? The medium, as you were warning people, they were reading your magazine, the magazine you were writing for, and the medium of Manuela speaking yeah. through. It's it's a very valid and good question. And just to tell you, this is also a a subject that we visit and revisit a few times quite intensively in the academy to understand the differences. There are a huge difference between quality, medium, uh, medium quality, high quality, medium quality, and, and other types of highly sensitive people. There, there are, uh, there are different dimensions in the spiritual world and different competencies, just like different competencies here on this planet for different things that we do. How this all works and is interconnected through communication channels is something we uh, we address in the academy, but also looking at how we can distinguish between a high quality and a no quality medium, uh, and what are the criteria uh, in each time that we are need to be aware of. Everyone who has a sensitivity to the ethereal world has a function and purpose, but it needs to be done with honor and integrity, and they all uh, invite opportunities for people to ask questions and, and to investigate uh, what life is all about and about and also the life that we cannot see or most of us cannot see. So they all have a function. But unfortunately, in many ways, it, there are people's ego get in the way and their, um, their money, their uh, fame becomes more important than the message. And uh, humility is something that is one of the key elements that good quality medians need to have, and and honesty. They need to also know their limits, and most people go past their limits and make up things. And uh, again, that is something, it's one of the many, many, many subjects we cover to understand why these people are here, why they have these sensitivities and abilities and gifts 
one of the things, just in conclusion, I would like to say, which is, a, as I said, a very large subject, is that high-quality mediums are only very few on this planet. We were told there were five of them in different parts of the world. We have the only one that is a writing medium. She never gets involved with personal advice. She strictly serves as a telephone line. So people can go and ask questions. And she spontaneously writes these transmissions that have become part of the academy here and in Austria and Germany. So it's a very small group, but it's growing, but it's very, very solid. Uh, the other thing is that um, a medium, a high-quality medium, is very, very humble. It's a, it's really essential. And they have no need to be a star. That is something else that, that is very important. They really are there to serve, and they often have very difficult lives. That's another thing I know. But there is a lot more to it, too. The most important thing is that mediumship on that high level is a gift and cannot be taught. There are many people who certify others to become mediums. According to the information from the spiritual world, this is not God intended. And I know by now I probably have offended quite a few listeners. Um, but uh, that is something that we are very, very strong about, so I feel very strongly about. In addition, a high-quality medium needs to also again and again prove itself in this world to have the privilege to do the job. These mediums have been mediums from the beginning of time as a special gift from God to help us get on the, onto the right path. And I know I'm saying now again things that may be difficult to buy into, to, you know, for listeners, but I'm, this is what it is. No, no. And, and it's great. And sorry, just to, just to clarify one thing, uh, excuse my ignorance, but uh, can you become a medium or are, no. You're born a medium. You are born a medium. And okay. if you are a high quality medium, you have been a medium in different lifetimes, different genders, okay. different parts of the world. Mm. Uh, you can, you, yeah, you cannot learn it. But what you can do if you are a born medium, you can refine your skills through your life experience. And if you don't do it again with humility and being in total service, you may lose your skill. So. It's it's also something that is usually not known. Okay, and uh, and the last thing that captured my my uh, curiosity. You were saying this is the last time we have a chance to record all of this. You know, we have a plan. Am I right? Say though that I've heard this before. That people say this is the last chance we have, or, or why why is it the last chance we have to record all of this? Why now? We have as a group, uh, and there are many people part or many souls part of this opportunity to get this knowledge. We have failed again and again because when we are on this planet, we forget. We have deliberately built in a barrier of remembering. So we have to acquire our maturity again each time. And each time we failed because of greed, of jealousy, of, you know, material stuff. And now we're starting to come together again from different parts of the world and have another opportunity. But we also know already that about 40% or more have are gone again because we don't know. So it needs to resonate very, very deeply that we're here for a bigger purpose, that we have to do something for, for mankind, really. Uh, but it's not easy. And every one of us that I have met and encountered who are, were originally part of us already in other incarnations uh, had difficult lives. So we need to prove ourselves again to be, for the lack of better words, to be worthy to do the job. Now, I, I, I know that sounds all probably very weird, but I've been with this now for so long and I'm confident in what I'm saying. So uh, we are in a very, very, very interesting life. Now, we have asked to please have one more chance, and that's why we have that chance to document the knowledge. Okay. So uh, I was on to your website earlier on, and I was reading through some of the testimonials. Uh, and uh, interesting enough, I was I was doing some studying today, and I was reading about how the 
you know, as a Western culture, we, we place a lot of, um, a lot of efforts, a lot of time into the self, right? That's one mm-hmm. of the things, but it gets proven over and over again that perhaps the most important thing is the interpersonal, you know, being part of something, being part of a community, being part of a bigger, mm-hmm. a bigger thing. So exactly what you're, what you're following, you're following your, your, uh, your spirituality to to be a service to to give what you believe is going to be making a, the world a better place and uh, you know in my small part I do what you know do work in the coaching industry and I when I work yeah. with clients that's we're trying to find a purpose you know we're trying to find what is the what is the meaning not necessarily the meaning of life but what is the meaning of me being here and yeah. um, so when I when I or somebody joins your academy the um what what is it what can we expect what can somebody expect from from this uh program that you run from this this uh, uh you said five years is it five years long is that what you yeah, said yeah it's five years i'm working on the sixth year now i don't have a lot of time these days but uh it's uh even if people do just one year it's life-changing so okay. life-changing i mean uh, i tell you the most common feedback that i get is that people say I have a whole lot less fear about anything. I'm more confident. Uh, I'm more at peace within myself that everything has its right course, that uh, there is life after this one. Uh, a lot of people don't know that or don't remember that this is a very short part of our entire existence, each life or in this one in particular, uh, that life goes on and that our real home is not here. And so we prepare people to accept their fate, their situation, uh, their life experience fully and be grateful for it. And we're really grateful for it and, and, and know that there is something that is beyond imagination that will give us the, the eternal joy and life that we all are aiming for. And eventually our reunification with our source that we call God, and I know God has gotten a bad name these days, but uh, for lack of better term it is, you can call it all that is, or uh, divine source, or um, heavenly father, whatever works for you. It is that bigger belonging to something that is exquisitely beautiful and, and right. So that is ultimately our goal, and to bring as many souls to this source as we can possibly do through the knowledge that that we have been able to acquire and can share. That's really the biggest thing. And um, on a human level, I find that people, you know, deal with their relationships differently. They deal with their lack of things differently. Uh, They deal with their entire relationships with themselves differently are more forgiving more um more loving more accepting having more sense of of gra- real deep gratitude not just gratitude you know that i had a nice breakfast this morning or a good cup of coffee but gratitude for the opportunity to purify our souls again so that we are ready and worthy to be back to where we came from originally and just the one final question before we listen to the last piece of music. So for someone like me that has been, um, I consider myself very spiritual. I consider mm-hmm. myself, uh, I don't even know if the word, you know, the label is right, agnostic or atheist. I don't know. I don't, I don't have a proof that there is something beyond, right? I don't. It, or I also don't have a proof that there isn't. So I'm, I'm very much in, on, in search of it. But if I come to your to your academy and I and I go through the program, am I correct in saying that again, reading through the the, the testimony and what you're saying to me, is my awareness going to be heightened about myself, and that's going to be a great help to me whether I'm going to find what's beyond or not, or 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 or, or, or am I going to find the answer? <laughs> yes, of course it will be. And that's, you know, that was my experience or has been my experience with people, uh, that uh, there is more 
uh, clarity for anyone to to move forward with what in whatever way they are. And by the way, to be on the fence is one of the best places to be. The flag wavers, as we call them, are usually not the ones that that stay or you know we attract. Uh, I like to have people who think critically and discern the information, and that's where the discussions come in. And uh, there's a lot of support, a lot of confidentiality. I don't record anything, so there's really privacy. Uh, and uh, it is it is absolutely fascinating to hear highly educated people and good thinkers to ask good questions. And uh, if I have the answers from the many, many binders and stuff that I have, I tell them if I don't have the answers, I tell the two. I don't know everything. I wish I would. But I do know a lot of stuff now that uh, I have acquired in the last, what is it now, 20, what is it now, 23, 24, 28 years uh, and intensively studied. So this is not something I just looked at on at a weekend or something. Um, there was a time where I was like a hermit for 10 years where I studied in depth and asked tons and tons and tons of questions about all kinds of things, whether it health, uh, sex, relationships. I mean, you, you name it, t- just a wide range of stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, something that I would want someone who is on the fence, but also open-minded. Uh, I had uh, people who were just contrarians for the heck of being contrarians. And that is not really conducive. You know, it's just not not very helpful to anyone and a lot of hard work. You have to diffuse all the time. But if people have real sincere questions and uh, are willing to look at their life in a more, um, I wouldn't say honest, because I've some people are already honest when they come here, but in a, uh, in a way that it in, in an expanded view, an expanded awareness of the many aspects of life that are part of this existence, then uh, we have a really good chance to to um, to get great value. And uh, the people who have done it, there are also relationships among ourselves that will never break. Uh, even though we may not see each other for two or three years, if there's one phone call and said you need some help or, you know, there is something going on there instantly there, there is a, a level of connection that I have not experienced anywhere else. Like a deep trust, a deep knowing, deep, um, uh, it, it's, it's quite extraordinary. It's very beautiful for me to see, particularly as a facilitator, to see how people, you know, connect with each other. Um, in a very profound way that is way beyond, you know, normal, normal human relationships. Yeah. yeah. It, it sounds great. And, 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 and I say this with the best possible intention. Sounds like um, that church that you and I would walk in to, to relax and to listen to ourselves, that you're recreating that environment in a different, and I don't mean the church as in yeah. the Catholic church, but it is a space a safe space is a place yeah. where people meet regularly mm-hmm. and build wonderful relationship with themselves and beyond because the beyond yeah, is the important part. Summarized. Yes. And uh, by the way, I do still go to churches occasionally. I go to different ones. I was in the Mormon church. I was a Muslim. Church. I was in different temples and shrines. And I always connect with the divine there within the way how I understand the divine. So, I'm not, don't knock any other churches. It's just beautiful to see how they are culturally formed and, uh, how, how much they mean to the faithful, you know, how much the genuine, um, faith is, I, I can observe whether the teachings are always consistent with others. It's another question. But when I see the, I say it, not the little people, but the normal folks that go there, um, and I watch them and I see how, how, how real they are in their connection with the divine, with their, with, with God. Uh, it's quite touching to see. And, um, I know that all of us people here on this planet, all the several billion people we have, we all have a unique connection to that. You cannot duplicate or teach 
what I feel and experience. I cannot teach you. So it's a totally highly individualized connection that we have. And that is what we support, what I support. Don't try to be someone else or to be, you know, or to have the same understanding of someone else. We can't. We are so unique like each one of our fingerprints is spiritually. And uh, and that's our gift, but also our challenge. And uh, so I, I support people in, in finding that and in, in, in being the best they can be in, in every way of their human being, in, in their, every way of their fiber, so to speak. Yeah. Wonderful. So the last piece of music is Gustav Mahler, and I'll let you pronounce the name because it's a German and I wouldn't even attempt. It does Himmelsche Leben? No. It's called as Himmelsche Leben. It's called Heavenly Life. And it's a very um, ethereal, again, etheric uh, composition that is different from the usual classical music where it describes how beautiful and wonderful it is in human understanding when we have reached that highest level of bliss. And uh, again, we have no words. Uh, probably music and the arts are the only uh ways of expression, expressing some of that enormous joy and and beauty that we sense is there. I understand you're an artist. I looked at your uh, pictures on, on, uh, on your website. And there is something that transcends or transmits some truth from our soul into art. I'm personally, I'm, I love music and dance. I don't know much about art, you know, the kind of thing that you do. But there is something that is beyond words, beyond, uh, well, except there are poets, of course. Uh, there is something there that is serving for me as a bridge to the divine. And uh, in that particular uh, song from Gustav Mahler, uh, which is also in its very composition, reaching into a different genre altogether that's that's uh, resonates with me and that's why i shared it as one of the three pieces of music that touches me very deeply Um, so the final question for you before we close, Anneli. Uh, so knowing what you know, and what I like about it is that you you've done a lot in the past. A lot you 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 walk to walk in a lot of areas. You know, from coaching to therapy to dancing to you know you tried it. Don't they say tried it? You, you got involved in different things and you accumulated this knowledge over the years, um, and that is now brought into your metaphysical academy in a way that has taken a turn based on, again, extra knowledge that you gathered from the spiritual world and, and, uh, and how, um, how that can be taught and or um, discussed with people around the table. My understanding is you do it around table uh, conversations. So just to use a coaching question, what, what is success like then? for the, the Metaphysical Academy going forward? What is success going to be like for you? Oh, thank you for asking. There's a lot of things. It may not happen during my lifetime, but what I envision is to have spiritual centers all over or all throughout the English-speaking world. I don't know how many that would be, but they would all have their own CEOs, their own facilitators, and allow anyone who wants to have that knowledge to be part of it. This is not a cult. This is not anything about pressure or or anything. It's totally voluntarily. And um, it would make a difference to the world. It would make a difference to the end time that we are all facing. And uh, it would bring many more souls to back, back to our creator much more quickly. And uh, and that's really the kind of core of what I envision to be success. 
what I would like now is um, to attract one sponsor who would be willing to have one-to-one classes with me and then expose the academies to his high-level network so that we have the investment that is necessary to promote it and to establish it worldwide. So that is what I just came up with fairly recently. Uh, rather than you know doing all this work now, I need to have influencers who recognize what it is that we have and uh, help to spread the word and help to establish that. And for that, I need I need help. You know that is clear. You know to do all this plus, you know running the company, running you know doing the facilitation and all that. That's that's a lot of work. And um, I need facilitators. I need uh, a new CEO that uh, will run this this core academy here uh, for the next 40, 50 years, and then it can expand. And then um, I will be after I'm gone because I don't have another 50 years to live, most likely, <laughs> or 100 years, even though I would like to sometimes, uh, that it, it can continue and uh, that this is a gift to the world from the spiritual world. And it's um, it's life-changing. And uh, it's really essential. Yeah, wonderful. Um, well, Dr. Annalie Dressen, thanks a million for sharing your story with me. And uh, we'll put uh, the details of your website and your contact details on the show notes. But it's the metaphysicalacademy.com is where people will find you and will find out more about what we've been discussing. So, again, thanks a million. And uh, it's been a real pleasure to listen to the story. And thanks for sharing it with me. Same here, thank you so much. Downside up and upside down. Born and raised in the seaside lonely town. A room with a view in Florentine style. Wide straight roads, timeless, beautiful zero mile. Shining like a sunny day's night. Some dreams in days of shadow around the floor. Happy and shining like a sunny day's night. And we'll never give up just asking for.
Sunday, we left Sunday, broken on the floor.